All right, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to the Boca Podcast. I am your host, Nathan Holritz, and I'm excited to be here with you. We here at the Boca Podcast, we're all about upgrading your photography business in just a few minutes, and uh, it looks like we're about to be joined by Katie Snyder, and let me actually just let her right in. Here we go. Let's see if we can make this happen. Yay, is that working? <laughs> and let me make sure. Oh, we're going to make this work. I promise. Here we go. <laughs> there we go. Oh. Yay. Okay, let's see. Hold on. We're going to we're going to we're going to add you in. Boom. Now we made it happen. (laughs) Yay, we did it. All right. Well, welcome, everybody. Uh, This is streaming live, and this is actually a new experience for us, uh, a relatively new experience for us at the Boca Podcast. We did some uh, what we called Workflow Wednesday episodes uh, a few, well, actually, it's been about a year, year and a half ago. And um, in that in that process, we, we got to experiment a little bit about or with what it meant to go live, but we're going to try to start doing this with as many of our regular episodes as possible. And um, so Katie Snyder is here with us today and <laughs> was kind enough to actually make this happen um, and, and I guess experiment with the experiment, if you will. <laughs> so thank you, Katie, for being willing to do it. Thanks for your patience and thanks for being back on the show again. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Thanks so much for having me. And yeah, I'm happy to help you launch this new, new, uh, experiment. Well, and we're, we're going to do that here in just a little bit. Um, Katie, for everybody listening in, Katie was actually on the show back in, let's see, it was 2000. Katie, can you believe it's 2017 episode 61. And by the time this episode comes out, we're talking, it's probably going to be close to five episode 500. So uh, about three, two and a half years later and many, many episodes later, um, I, I really appreciate the privilege of being able to have you back back on the show. And for everybody listening in, um, if you missed that first episode, what you want to do is go to bocapodcast.com and you can just search Katie Snyder, just like it sounds, K-A-T-I-E-S-N-Y-D-E-R. And uh, or we'll actually link to the episode in the show notes as well at bocapodcast.com. Or if you're using a podcast player, check it out in your favorite podcast player. But episode 61, uh, we talked with Katie about how to build a team of photographers. And um, so that was that was super fun. And let me, Katie, thanks again for being patient with me. I'm, as I'm talking, I'm supposed to be posting our um, our website up on the screen for everybody. So for everybody who's watching uh, for everybody who's listening, this is a video experience. We're actually streaming live to Facebook. For everybody who's watching, bocapodcast.com, you can see it up there in the corner of your screen. And um, for everybody listening in, if you want to also kind of follow along, get to know Katie a little bit along with the conversation today, I'm going to post her website up here on the screen. It's katiesnyder.com. And uh, you can also see her photography business, which is katiesnyderphotography.com. And, uh, and then on Instagram, Katie Snyder. And Katie Snyder Photography on Instagram as well. So I posted all those up on the screen. Uh, for everybody listening in, we'll also post those in the show notes at bocapodcast.com. Katie, thanks for your patience. Uh, this is yeah, going to be a fun course. little experiment, but um, let's just jump right into the conversation. Because one of the sure. things that we promise um, our, our listeners is that we're going to give them actionable information in just minutes. Uh, really, in 10 minutes or less even. So I want to jump right into the conversation today today. 
And again, for those of you who did not get to listen to that first episode, go back. But fortunately, it's been long enough, Katie. I'm asking you questions. We can jump into those questions right away. So let's start first with something that we call brand position um, or or references brand position here at the Boca Podcast. And really what we're talking about is a value proposition. What is the value proposition or the unique value proposition of your business in the market? You're actually running two businesses. You've got your photography business and your coaching business. So let's start first with your photography business, if we can. Yeah, great question. So yeah, I've done photography for 17 years now, and I'm a um, wedding and portrait photographer, um, mostly based in Atlanta, Georgia for that business, but we travel all over. And, um, and then like you alluded to, yes, so I'm in my second year now as a life coach. And so with that business, I help people think outside of the box to create new levels of freedom for themselves. Um, and that's been really fun as well. And it's, you know, it's an interesting thing. We talk about, um, life coaching, um, it's, it's, it's a, well, first of all, we take a step back when we have conversations with our friends, it, it seems like we're all kind of being life coaches at one point or another, right? Uh, almost, totally. but you, you took it a step further. I mean, you actually have a background in psychology. You studied psychology in college, correct? Correct. Okay. So you, you took that, um, I guess kind of set it aside for a little bit, pursued photography and then came back to this and then now also gotten your certification as, as a coach. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that in, in a little bit to kind of set us up for our conversation today, which is really an interesting one. Honestly, I, we're going to be talking about the notion of limiting beliefs and how to kind of move beyond limiting beliefs for the sake of success in our photography business, or maybe you're running another creative venture for those of you are listening in or watching, um, how to move beyond those limiting beliefs for the sake of growth in our business and, of course, our personal life as well. I'm a huge fan, Katie, of, of this topic because I'm a huge fan of Tony Robbins. Tony Robbins, um, yeah. you know, for, for what different people may think of him, has taught a variety of psychological concepts that I think are super powerful, and this is one of those. Uh, it's a really fascinating topic. We're going to save that here for for our conversation in just a little bit, but I want to keep going. Um, let's jump to your experience as, especially as a photography business owner. And I'm curious what you have learned has been, or what you've seen has been the most important principle for delivering a, a great customer experience. Oh man, that's a good question as well. Um, yeah, you know, when you think about customer experience and why it's important, I think you know, we have to realize as photographers, there's so much competition, right? And unfortunately, there's, or maybe fortunately, however you want to look at it, there's so many people that are so good at our craft, right? And so when I think about why it's important to have a great customer service experience, that's what I'm thinking about. It's like, how, what can I offer to set myself above, um, somebody else, right? You know, what's keeping them from hiring their 10 friends that are also photographers. Um, so I want to make sure, you know, from the first point of contact that they feel very welcomed, that they know I'm very attentive. I'm paying attention to what they say. I'm going to respond as quickly as possible. You know, I think all those things are important when you're asking someone to invest their money with you. Yeah, it's true. And Oh, I just hit, I, here I'm trying to hit a button. Let's see if we can get us set back up here. 
coming back to split. You're doing so many things at once. There we go. I am. I know. This is going to be, a, and again, you, you're, you're very gracious to come on and join this experiment because we, we had to, in fact, I texted you for everybody listening and kind of break the fourth wall. Um, I messaged Katie right before we got started because the plan was to jump on into the software that we're using to produce the show live on Facebook and, um, and to be able to make sure that all the technical settings were right before we actually went live. And of course, that didn't I work. Apparently, was <laughs> on the wrong link. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, no, no, no. Um, nonetheless, we're here. We're making it happen. And thanks for everybody listening in for your patience, watching as well. Um, and, and we also have this is kind of fun. Uh, Janioris just commented, "Hey, this is really cool." Um, so, thanks for listening in and, wa- and watching, Janioris. Uh, it's nice to have you along for the ride. And uh, for everybody listening in. Again, this is a show that we're pushing out to, to facebook.com slash Boca Podcast, the Boca Podcast Facebook page. And again, as many of the episodes moving forward as we can, we're going to push them out live. And yes, you can, you can watch, you can comment, even ask questions. Uh, this is going to be a new element to the podcast because normally it's just me and our guest. Uh, if you want to pose a question to the guest relevant to whatever we may be discussing in the moment, you can totally do that. Um, I'm also getting used to, Katie, you're probably noticing this too. The camera is sitting like right above my computer screen. So I'm, I'm trying to make sure I look at the camera, look at you, look at our audience, and also look at my notes at the same time, <laughs> which is kind of a yeah. fun experience. And when I'm talking, I'm only seeing myself, which is super awkward for anybody, <laughs> anybody wondering. <laughs> yeah, we've got some, some technical difficulties maybe that we're going to have to work through a little bit uh, as, as we move forward. But again, thanks for your graciousness, your patience, and for everybody listening in and watching as well. And uh, somebody actually asked earlier today, are we going to also be pushing out audio versions of the podcast still? Absolutely. Definitely going to be doing that. And we're going to try to figure out how to, to do, really have the best of both worlds moving forward. So I'm excited about that. But um, Katie, when it comes to customer experience, you were talking about the, the ability to be able to stand out above the rest. And, and I'm glad that you point this out too, because in the photography industry in years past, and I've been in it now for 20 years, uh, there, there was this, and, and I think in some ways still the kind of this obsession with the, the notion of standing out via your photographic style, or in some cases, even your, your editing style. And the reality is we're all using the same Lightroom presets and Photoshop actions, and we're copying each other's photographic styles, and we're using similar photographic website templates. Um, so I don't know any longer that most potential clients are going to notice those nuanced differences between each photographer's style as much as they're going to place importance or significance on the experience that they're having with us. So when you talk about standing out kind of above the rest, your so-called competition in your local marketplace, the fact that you're talking about experience and not photographic style, I think is super important. Share your thoughts with that, because I know you've been photographing for some time. You've probably seen the industry change as well. Can you expound on that a little bit more? Yeah, happy to. It's exactly what you're saying. So I feel like as artists, it can be hard to kind of accept that truth, right? That your art doesn't just necessarily stand out and speak for itself. But I just think in this day and age, you know, we can't rely on just that. You know, the, the truth of the matter is I have had clients tell me, you know, I can't necessarily tell the difference in the quality between this and this, you know, and I'm looking at it thinking, of course, there's a huge difference in quality, you know, but if you're, if your clients don't know that or haven't been educated to know the difference in an iPhone, frankly, and, you know, a DSLR camera, for instance, then you have to rely on something else, you know, and, and gone are the days that, you know, if, you're the only one in, in a town, you know, and if, just because you have a camera, you're going to get calls like that just doesn't happen. 
Yeah, actually, it, and it's it's a good point that you bring up too that even these pictures that we can take with a cell phone now, and and really this has been the case for some time, are right. comparable in quality if you even halfway know what you're doing to an image mm-hmm. that's taken with a DSLR. And uh, so again, the 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 real and honest conversation which you highlight here about the fact that most clients have access to technology and yet really don't notice the significant difference between the so-called professional camera images and those maybe even coming from a phone, what do we need to do at that point to differentiate ourselves? Because even myself as a professional photographer for over a decade and the owner of an editing company whose job it is to pay attention to those nuanced details, I'm still so excited to have the snapshots on my refrigerator at home, for example, that are you know blurry, not framed perfectly. <laughs> the color is crazy wonky because I'm, I'm printing them on, on a little Instax printer from my phone. And yet I just absolutely love those images. So if somebody like myself who is a type A personality, who is a professional photographer and an editing company owner doesn't care, imagine how much less the client or potential client doesn't care. And I've said this before many times, but I'll say it again. It, it, we're not talking about compromising our efforts at, as photographers at being good at our craft, at delivering a high-quality image. What we're getting at here, though, is making sure that we don't skew our effort and time and energy too far in the direction of being unique as a photographer as much as putting the emphasis on that experience that we're creating for the client. Because when they walk away from that interaction with us, if they feel good, that's what makes all the difference in the world. And we've talked about this before. Maybe you had this experience, Katie, yourself as well. But like when I was shooting weddings, the number of times that I had uh, people, guests or wedding or family members, friends maybe at the wedding come up to me before they'd ever seen a picture and say to me, oh my goodness, you're an amazing photographer. (laughs) Without, again, without ever having seen anything is it speaks very highly of this idea that we're talking about here. Did you have any similar experiences? Absolutely. Yes. I love getting told at the end of the night, like you did such a great job. (laughs) And I'm just thinking like, I'm so glad I made you feel that way, you know, but you honestly have no idea. (laughs) Right. But, but again, it's, it shows that what they're paying attention to, at least in the moment is that experience that you're creating for them. And that's really just how we make them feel both Mm -hmm. with our work ethic, our presence, our awareness and our friendliness in the interaction uh, attentiveness to the bride, occasionally maybe even helping her out or the groom for that matter, helping them out with this thing or that. But it's the experience that they have with us that makes the biggest difference. And um, so I, that's you know really ultimately one of the reasons why we need to continue to have this conversation on the podcast. It seems a bit cliche to talk about customer experience, but I think our, our industry in some some circles is still missing the significance of this as it relates to how we can effectively build a business. And so I love to highlight it. And I'm glad that you helped me do that today too. Thank you for that. But I I want to transition to the next question though. Talk to me about time. Um, And, you know, really here at the the podcast, so much of what we try to focus on or center our conversations around is time, efficiency. Because at the end of the day, as a business owner myself, the last thing that I want to do is spend endless hours in front of a computer. It's going to happen at times. But looking at the big picture, I personally don't want to work any more than 25, 30 hours a week on average. And if I can do that, make a good income, but ultimately have freedom and flexibility to do other things with my life, including uh, spending time with the important people in my life, then I win, right? That's my perspective. And I'm trying to help other photographers do that as well through Photographer's Edit and taking care of their editing for them. But talk to me about time management for you. Is there a particular principle or idea that has made a big difference in your ability to manage your time and kind of find balance now with two businesses, um, and family as well. How do you, how do you balance that? How do you make it happen? 
Yeah, this is so important. And it's, frankly, it's, it's how you can assure longevity, right? In your career, because absolutely. I know for me, I did a lot of things wrong starting out those first 10 years in the business. You know, I, I kind of worked around the clock because I thought I had to, you know, and then what does that lead to? Of course, it leads to burnout, you know. Yep. So if, if you're trying to, like you said, like build something uh, minimal hours a week, that's amazing and keep growing. Like it's it's so important. So honestly, the biggest thing that I did in the beginning was was. um carving out time on the calendar and forcing myself to stick to it. Uh, you know, we cancel on ourselves, right? We say, Oh, we're not important. We're not as important as everybody else. We'll put everybody above ourselves, you know? Um, so just making sure like nights, weekends, you know, whatever it is for you, maybe it's a Tuesday, maybe every Tuesday you take some time off, you know, put that on the calendar and stick to it. Mm -hmm. Um, and And it's interesting how that like as simple as that idea is, if just doing it makes a big difference, like just the idea that we actually take our calendar seriously. Um, I think maybe some of my friends, uh, maybe family members even kind of laugh at how seriously I take my, my calendar because when they say, Hey, you know what, let's go do this thing. The first thing that I do is pull up the calendar and put it in there. I commit to it. And if it's in the calendar, it's basically like absolute truth. (laughs) I have to follow through on it. So when we do that for ourselves, it gives us that much more encouragement to actually make that time for ourselves. Of course. And like you said, it, it sounds so easy, right? Mm. But, you know, think about it from if, if you're in the perspective of, you know, I work around the clock and I feel like I never get everything done, then that's a really hard thing to do to say, okay, I'm going to start taking Fridays off. You know, it feels like you're never going to get it all done. Um, and it's one of those crazy things that I've just had to learn the hard way. Um, if you are taking care of yourself and letting yourself, making yourself maybe rest, um, you're going to be more productive in the, in the hours you are working. Um, it's just one of those weird catch 22s, but it, it, I have really found it true in in my own life. Yeah. Similar as well. I can relate to that. In fact, I tend to work best in kind of short spurts of time. And you know, some may argue, well, you're not focusing for long enough, or if you, if you just spend a little bit more time, you, you may see a bit more productivity, but I think part of it for me too is that that element of control. I like the fact that I can work in shorter chunks of time, take a break, go do something, whether it's to go work out, maybe ride the motorcycle and then come back. Or I can work on this segment of my business, set that aside, go to the next section and and work on my business. And I feel that especially with as many brands as I'm managing, and now you're beginning to manage multiple brands as well. You have been actually now for a little bit of time. Mm-hmm. You can't, you know, you can't kind of put all your eggs in one basket all the time. You do have to break it up a little bit. So I think it fits, especially in those models uh, or those business models where there are multiple brands involved. Yeah, for sure. And um, I've actually spent quite a bit of time studying like productivity and habits. I'm just, I'm just fascinated about that sort of thing. Yeah. And so I, I definitely think there's some personalities that prefer to have longer chunks of time. You know, there's some people that need the whole day and they know that they're, that's the only thing they're going to work on that day. Um, and then there's other people like yourself and I definitely fall in that category as well, where if I have the whole day, I can't do it. You know, I'll procrastinate. I'll just, I don't know. I don't know what happens in my brain. (laughs) I need those shorter (laughs) chunks of time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so you were asking about tips and that is one thing that has been huge for me. I will actually set a timer Um, usually 45 minutes. I'll, sometimes I'll experiment. If I only have 30 minutes, I'll try it. Sometimes I'll do an hour, but 
for whatever reason, I feel like 45 minutes is a good amount of time and I'll just work, you know, put my head down, do as much as I can do in that 45 minutes, you know, and that's, I think, unfortunately, it's like, it's so helpful because what else are we doing typically throughout the day? We're checking our phone, we're checking Instagram, people are calling, you know, there's endless interruptions. And so if I have this timer set, you know, I'll even like put my phone on like, do not disturb. Okay. And I just know like, okay, 45 minutes, that's it. And it's interesting, especially with tasks that I may be putting off or kind of not looking forward to. Sure. That makes it so much more doable as well, because it's like, it's just 45 minutes, like, you know, and then at the end of 45 minutes, you totally are off the hook if you want to move on to something else. Or like you said, get up, walk around. I, I have a Starbucks at the end of my street. It's oh, my been, word. Wow. <laughs> it's been horrible. I go there every day. Uh, <laughs> I've been taking two or three breaks just for that. Yeah, exactly. Um, but, you know, but you're allowed to. But typically what I found, and it's really interesting, once you let yourself get in there, 30 minutes, 45 minutes strong, you might be willing to just, you know, just keep going another five, 10 minutes and, and really complete that project. It's, it's been really interesting. Well, and you're right too. knowing, uh, and first of all, you pointed out something interesting, which is the idea of putting your phone on do not disturb mode. I think this is something that we probably all practice more readily, or if, if nothing else, one of the things that I've done with notifications from apps like Instagram and Facebook is just to go ahead and turn those off on my lock screen so that I'm not seeing, or, you know, the banner, I don't want a banner popping up constantly yeah. from this app and that app. Um, I don't want it popping up on my lock screen. If I want to look at notifications, then I go to my notification screen. Just little things like that that we can do to keep those other moving parts in our business from distracting us from focusing on whatever is going on right here in front of us. I think that's super important. Um, Something else that I've done as well is to try to segment uh, communication, for example, into a later part of my day. And then, then I have this time, this kind of the idea in my head, which is to reach toward uh, about two o'clock, maybe three o'clock in the afternoon for my so-called communication time, especially for email, maybe phone calls. And really what I want to move more and more toward is, is a lot of my social media communication to that time frame as well. It's a little bit difficult because I'm also actively posting the stories through the day and I don't want my, my followers to feel like I'm not engaging with them if they respond and comment or ask a question. Uh, but I also don't want to get distracted from doing what's most important, which is running my businesses, getting those things that are proactive in nature done that are moving my business forward uh, for the sake of also, you know, constantly being on social media. So the balance is going to look different for different people I know. Um, and people is really at the center of, of our businesses. So you can't, you certainly can't neglect that either, but a balance is good. And, and I like the idea if nothing else, of maybe just going to do not disturb mode while you're putting your head down and getting work done for that section of time. That's actually a great recommendation. By the way, for everybody listening in, um, you'll, you'll notice occasionally that I'm looking down uh, to, well, it's my right here. I don't want you to think I'm like randomly texting on my phone or playing on Instagram. Uh, I actually have a, a notebook, a physical notebook, believe it or not. For those of you who know me, know that I tend to be a, a tech geek, a tech nerd, but for these conversations, I like to take notes. So you may see me occasionally looking down, Katie, when, as you're talking, uh, no but I'm, I'm going to be taking notes, uh, doodling as little as possible, I promise. <laughs> <laughs> Doing is fine. But I, I want to keep going in the conversation too, though, because um, related to time management, one of the most important elements, I think, of time management for photography business owners is delegation. In fact, really, pretty much any business owner, delegation. Uh, outsourcing is a word that we can also use interchangeably with delegation, I guess. But I, I think it's funny, actually, and in the photography industry, outsourcing almost immediately or automatically means outsourcing editing 
photo editing, image editing. And I, I kind of want to take away from that because while editing, I think outsourcing editing is probably the biggest time saver when it comes to running our business. That's not the only element of our business that we can delegate or outsource. So I'm curious what your experience with this, this concept of delegation has been. Have you delegated or outsourced various elements of your business over the years? I have. Yeah. And it's definitely been a little bit of a trial and error situation, you know, from time to time. Um, I will say, not just because I'm on this podcast, but the truth is that delegating editing was huge for me. It really, it really <laughs> changed out. the game for me. Yeah. 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 And I'm, I'm definitely a happy client uh, for Photographer's Edit. Um, I, you know, I don't know if you hear this conversation. I hear it all the time. A lot of photographers are scared to do that, you yep. know, to, to almost relinquish control is mm-hmm. kind of how it's talked about sometimes. Yep. Um, and so I just want to encourage people, give it a try. Like, you know, you don't know until you try. Well, it's um, true. And I'm actually curious if you don't mind uh, me yeah. jumping in when it, when it comes to fear of that delegation process, because I know it's not specific just to editing. I, I, I like to deal with, with, conversation and principles as kind of a baseline because that way they're kind of applicable and not just one area of our life or business, right? So this idea of delegation, there's fear of delegation. And I experienced this even in my own companies delegating to my team, is this thing going to get done right? Or could I have done it faster? Or, you know, all these, these questions that pop up in my head, um, or is, is the way that they're doing, is it really okay? Is it good enough? Um, which I mean, even saying that out loud, I, I kind of cringe because it's so egocentric, right? This notion that like the way that I do it is the best way possible, um, I think is kind of funny at the end of the day. Uh, I think but, we all feel that though. You know, we? I think that's just natural. Okay. Yeah, because we have our own way of doing things, you know, sure. and so it doesn't seem, it doesn't, I don't know, it doesn't seem possible that somebody else could come in and learn our systems and, and do it maybe. Fair enough. Um, I, so I'm actually curious about that then in the process of delegating editing, one of the things that I've, that I've tried to, or I've begun emphasizing a little bit more in this conversation is the significance of understanding what it is that you want first before you delegate editing or really anything else. Right. And I learned this kind of the hard way over the last few, few years. And I, I say the hard way because, um, in conversations with Haley, who was producing the Boca podcast for about three and a half years or so. She just transitioned on and is, is doing her own thing now. And I'm really happy for her. But while she was with me, and we had some very open conversations, so I can talk about this. While she was working with our team, um, it, there was a bit of a learning curve there for me, realizing that I needed to do a better job of communicating what I wanted to her in language that resonated with her, right? She and I both speak English, but the funny thing about English is that people define words differently and they they infer meanings differently. And so how could I more effectively communicate what it was that I wanted her to do? And one of the things that I realized I was falling short in was being super clear in what it was that I wanted. I had this kind of grand idea of something. Like a photographer might say, hey, I need you to do my editing, right? That's the big idea. And that's great. That that's We're starting with something. But that's not super clear. And I needed to be clear about the specifics in order to more effectively communicate that information to her so that she could then go do that work for me. Talk to me about that experience when it came to delegating your editing. Did you did you have a similar experience? Hmm. With editing, I mean, yes. <laughs> <laughs> but here's the thing. I, I love what you said because just to back up a bit, because I really think communication is everything with, with any kind of this 
delegation, right? And I, I certainly have not done this perfectly over the years. I've had people try to come in and help me with everything from, you know, blog posts to whatever. And I've had some things just not work out. And consistently, every time I have figured out, I didn't spend enough time communicating what I wanted. And it's exactly what you said. You have to know that first. And I think that's the tricky part. Um, You have to know what you need. So with editing, even that can be hard, right? I, um, I'm probably a little bit different than some of your clients. So my husband had edited my photos for years and then I switched over to photographers edit. And so, you know, I'm getting these emails asking me like, what do you want done? And I'm thinking, I'm not the person to communicate (laughs) this, you know, and this might sound crazy to photographers out there that are listening. Um, But you're 100% right. You have to know what you want. You have to ask for it, you know, follow up on that communication to get it because nobody can help you if they don't know um, what you want. And then that's just making it harder on them, right? It's true. It's true. Um, and, and I think, I mean, we could probably spend a lot, a lot of time here. I don't want our listeners to think this is a big commercial for photographers edit or anything <laughs> of the sort. Uh, but at the end of the day, it's, it's, I'm, I'm glad that we spent some time here because if we're going to effectively scale our business, build our business, grow something that is bigger than us, then we have to learn how to delegate. And yes, editing certainly is probably the biggest thing that we can delegate, the biggest time saver, but you know, it could be email. Uh, management, it, various admi- administrative tasks, album design. Um, it could be something like accounting. In fact, I hope most of us are delegating the accounting work out to somebody else. But there are various things in our business that we can we can do this with if we're clear, first of all, about what we're trying to accomplish and understand what it is that we want done, probably because we've done it ourselves a few times, then that process of delegation will be a lot easier. And, I, and I'm glad that, that uh, we could highlight that a little bit. But I want to keep going because we've got some, some more material to dig into here. One of my favorite questions on the podcast has to do with a favorite book, self-help book or business book. And not just for the sake of conversation, but ultimately those books that have actually made a big difference in our lives and our businesses. Is there a particular one that comes to mind for you? Yes. Yeah, so I brought a visual since this is a visual day. Awesome. So this, this is called Playing Big by yes. Tara Moore. Okay. Unfortunately, it is geared towards women. <laughs> so she's leaving out half of the population here. <laughs> but I think everybody would benefit from reading it. But it okay. is kind of geared towards, um, you know, just encouraging women to kind of speak up and, you know, take ownership over their lives, be seen as equals. Um, she talks a lot about fear in there. And the ways fear can hold us back from from going after the things that are important to us. Um, so it's a favorite. I read it twice last year, and I actually did a podcast book club. <laughs> did so you, if you really want to hear that's me cool. talk about how much I love it for about thirteen episodes? That's, <laughs> that's on my Instagram. You can find it. Well, and I'm going to pop this up on screen here really quick for everybody, yeah. but we've got um, Playing Big, Practical Wisdom for Women Who Want to Speak Up, Create, and Lead. And by the way, uh, probably the majority of our audience are women, so um, okay. this is very cool. relevant. But um, <laughs> you can see, for those of you who are watching, uh, for those of you listening, and we'll link to this in the show notes either way at bocapodcast.com. For those of you watching, you can see this on the screen here. Um, and I don't know about you, Katie, I usually go to the Kindle version. I've got this massive library in my Kindle that I can go to. And it's nice just because I can travel so easily with this and have so many books with me. But uh, Kindle nice. version, for example, is only eight ninety nine, which is pretty brilliant. So 
Anybody, for every, awesome. we're, we'll link to that book in the show notes um, at bocapodcast.com for everybody that is listening and watching. And uh, do, do make sure, everybody that, that, that is both listening and watching, that you take advantage of the show notes. The show notes are really a, a rich resource, a combination of links to those things that we discuss on the podcast, uh, as well as the talking points from the day. And if you go to bocapodcast.com, you can take advantage of that resource. Or if, if you're using a podcast app that has the show notes attached, um, of course, you can take advantage of that there. Live links and so forth are there. And shout out to Jill. Uh, we mentioned Haley being the producer at the Boca Podcast for a long time. Jill just came on board with us in the last couple of weeks. She's going to be taking over that role uh, or is taking over that role and uh, has a big job cut out for her too as we produce. We're actually getting ready to, to push out a lot of content here in the next couple of weeks. It's pretty, pretty crazy. But um, thanks to Jill for all her help with that. Well, I want to keep going, Katie. And let me jump back to my notes here and get to our question, really our kind of our primary topic for the day. And we're going to be talking about, for those of you listening in, how to overcome limiting beliefs. I, I mentioned earlier, Katie, that you were that you have a background in psych. So you studied psych in school. What brought you back around? You went to photography and I guess still are running your photography business, but what brought you back around to the psych world and ultimately motivated you to say, hey, you know what? I want to start this life coaching business and try to help people out. Yeah, I wish I could say it was part of the plan all along. <laughs> I think it's a funny thing, right? We're we're multifaceted people. We're um, you know, and I watch you do this so well. You have so many multiple businesses, and I think sometimes we're taught, or maybe we see um, like the old school way of things being modeled, you know. And it, it's like you you learn one thing, you stick with it your whole life, and I just think sometimes it's great to like kind of think past that, right? Like Michael Mix Jordan up a got, little bit. got, yeah, Michael Jordan got sick of basketball, right? Like he, he, he went to baseball, he tried, you know, it's like at some point it's like you, if we're all dedicated to spending our life learning new things, like I think new, new experiences um, and opportunities are going to present themselves. So yeah, I've always been, I've always been fascinated in psychology. I came very close to getting a master's in counseling okay. and kind of, it was, you know, I was, I don't know, 22. And it was kind mm. of that like um, point in your life where you make that big decision. And I decided just to go all in and photography, you know, and I loved that. Um, but you know, 13, 14 years later, I was having these conversations with people over and over. And I feel like when, when that happens and when you start having conversations again and again, you know, you have to kind of pay attention and notice. And it was this idea of, um, you know, I wish I could do something fun and creative like you. And I, you know, I wish, I wish I had pursued something like that, or Mm. I, you know, I wish I could do that, but And it really honestly came from a place of me just wanting to empower my friends, you know, honestly, because I knew, you know, look, when I started photography classes in college, those were the worst grades I ever made in my life. Oh, really? Oh, yes. Like (laughs) it did not come naturally to me. You know, I felt like such the oddball out and I stuck with it. And one day it clicked, you know, and so honestly, if that taught me anything, it taught me that we don't have to be good the first day, you know, to try to try new things. And so I've just kind of been on this journey of encouraging people to, 
you know, to dig deep. And if you have an interest in something like pay attention to that. And, um, it's just, yeah, it's been really fun, really rewarding. Well, and I want to really quickly, I want to share, uh, your website and just to kind of highlight the conversation <clears throat> at hand, let me jump over here really quickly. So for everybody listening in, um, if, if you, you can go to the, the Facebook or the Boca podcast, Facebook page, facebook.com slash Boca podcast and see this video. Uh, of course you can also later on, if you're just listening right now in the car or something like that, you can go to katiesnyder.com to see Katie's uh, coaching site. And as, as I scroll through here, uh, first of all, I love the, the, the warmth of that, that invite welcome. I'm so glad you're, you're here. The welcome message, I should say. Uh, and you say, I'm a life business and Enneagram coach. I help millennials achieve a new level of freedom by thinking outside of the box and creating a life that they're excited about living. But I, I want to jump to your about page uh, because <laughs> you know, we're going to talk about limiting beliefs. And this may be just a great segue into that conversation here in just a couple of minutes. But I go to your about page and scroll down a little bit. And again, for those of you who are listening, I'm, I'm doing this on the video at the moment. And you can go back and watch the video at, at uh, facebook.com slash Boca Podcast. But uh, I scroll down, and about three-quarters of the way down, there's this, this picture. Uh, and it says, Katie Snyder is a life business and Enneagram coach, as well as an author and podcast host. But right next to that, the picture, the T-shirt that you have on says, Fear is a Liar. Fear is a liar. And so I'm, I'm kind of curious to, to understand maybe a little bit more of what that means to you. And let's, let's actually... Now, let me see if I can jump back to, there we go, back to the split screen so everybody can actually see you respond. But talk to me about what that t-shirt means to you, especially as it relates to this idea of limiting beliefs. Yeah, that's an awesome question. So I, I posted that picture on Instagram and I said, is fear really a liar? And I was like, uh, not really. But here's the thing. Here's what we know from talking to neurologists and, you know, people that are, you know, way smarter than me <laughs> over the years. Um, fear has been around since the caveman days, right? And it has a purpose. It has a purpose to keep us safe. And so fear's job inside our head is, is, is just that. It tells us, like, this might be a dangerous situation, like, alert, alert, you know, Um but here's the thing. Fear doesn't know the difference between an actual, actually dangerous situation, like say a bear chasing you in the woods yeah. um, versus I'm about to do something that scares me in my business. You know, right. maybe I'm about to do a live podcast for the first time or I'm about <laughs> to step on a stage and speak yep. to people. You know, yeah. it's like those things can feel scary and yet we're not in danger. Right. Like probably we're getting ready to do something really great and elevate our career. Hmm. And so it's kind of learning the difference in that and, and paying attention. Um, that's so one I, thing I, and I'm, I'm curious, sorry. no, if you don't mind it, when you talk about the difference, because this is, and this really segues in my next question too, I, I don't want to interrupt your train of thought, but when you yeah. talk about the, the, the difference, how do we know that difference? Because I think our culture right now, I mean, if, if you, if all you have to do is spend you know a few minutes on Instagram or Facebook or maybe both, and you you're almost immediately hit with all of these conversations or messages or posts around the notion of anxiety, which in many cases is tied to some type of fear or a combination of fears. And the reality, as you pointed out, is that most of these fears that we build up in our head aren't 
fears that are, that should actually hold that kind of significance in our life that are emotionally, psychologically debilitating to the point where it keeps us from doing something. How do we differentiate between the actual bear, figuratively and I guess literally, but figuratively between that bear and and something that maybe is just causing a little bit of apprehension, but that we can step beyond that? Yeah, that can be really hard. And I and I certainly am not trying to make light of, you know, real clinical diagnosed anxiety. I know that's a real thing that a lot of us struggle with, especially this past year. Um, one thing I have learned, and it's actually highlighted in this book uh, that we just talked about, the playing big book, she talks about two different kinds of fear. And one of them is um, a fear of things that haven't happened yet. And mm. that was really eye-opening for me because yeah. we can always imagine things that go wrong, right? Like right. I can lay in bed at night and think about like, what if my rental property is burning down right now? You know, like literally, and that's, and that's realistic. That could happen. You know, maybe I talked uh, with a friend the other day about, you know, being scared to get on an airplane, you know, there are airplane crashes, right? Like, sure. so, so it's kind of this conversation of, you know, it's, it's not saying that those things couldn't happen, but it's, I think checking in with ourselves to remember like that hasn't happened. And so like, if we're going to spend our time and energy fearful of something, like let's, I guess I'm trying to say like, let's try to make sure it's something that's actually real and actually happening. Um, yeah, that's a great point because, well, and, and I guess along with, is it happening? Uh, because there is a very real chance that something could happen in the future. Being ready or prepared for that, not a bad thing. But Absolutely. I mean, I take flying, for example, because I'm glad you bring this up too, because there is a certain fear, despite the fact that I love flying. I love the, the experience of airports. I love getting in a plane. I love feeling the power of that airplane take off. I love the process of landing, at least most of the time. But I still, as much as I've flown, and I've flown all my life, we used to travel back and forth from the US to Japan. I mean, long flights. I've been to Australia a couple of times. I've done a ton of flying. I still get nervous. But I can very specifically pinpoint where the significant nervousness started and I know that I have built this idea up in my head. The thing isn't happening, but I've created something in my mind despite, and, and this is what I wanted to get to, despite the illogic of it. Because while I think our culture tends to, um, coddle is kind of a harsh word, because to your point earlier, a, a, a genuine empathy needs to be shown to our to, to, to us as just as human beings, first of all, but certainly to, to fear uh, as a general rule, but at the same time, I feel like we've gone to maybe a little bit too much of an extreme at times where we're enabling certain fears that are illogical. When we look at something like a plane crash, and, and I'm just, I'll speak to myself here. When I look at something at, at a, like a plane crash, the, the likelihood of that happening is almost zero, right? I mean, the percentage is so, 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 so low. And yet I'm building up this idea in my head that the, the you know, I just felt the plane bump and what if we play that what if game way, way, way too much. And then we build up whatever comes after what if, what if dot, dot, dot. And then we continue to fixate and focus on that. And, and I think we do that in many cases because we have so much freedom and flexibility and largely in first world culture to do that, to spend time fixating there, that it's easy to build up that snowball. Now this thing becomes way, way bigger than it needs to be. 
So I, I guess I come back to that question again of how do we not just differentiate, but ultimately how do we cut off, create, create a, a, a great chasm, if you will, between this potential of something and getting to a place where we fixated and built this thing up in our head where it's debilitating. Yeah. Well, and the danger there becomes, right, then we bring it into business or we bring it into wanting to start new things. And so it's like, okay, we're feeling uncomfortable. And we know that in times past when we have felt uncomfortable, it's, it's like, stop, right? It's the bears running after us. We have to you know, we have to stop, we have to go the other way. Whereas in business, we're really going to benefit from pushing through that fear and keep going. So to your point, how do we figure out, how do we figure these things out? For me, it's, it's very helpful to reframe our thinking. Okay. And so, um, it's two trains of thought, right? You could kind of go worst case scenario. Um, And some people find that very helpful. I have found that helpful at times where I'm like, okay, what would happen if, you know, I lose everything right in a fire. Okay. Just, just to go down that example, I lose everything in a fire. What would happen? Like it would be devastating, but you can start to think of a plan, right? You can think, okay, there's insurance, like we'll rebuild, like we'll do this, you know? So sometimes thinking of it that way is helpful. Um, my thing, though, is when you're thinking of things that haven't happened yet, why not try to focus on a good outcome, right? And and this will kind of probably lead us into the self-limiting beliefs here, right? Sure, sure. Because if we're thinking, okay, I'm, I would like to start a business, but it could go really, really bad. And I'm afraid of that. Like, I'm afraid of not being able to provide for my family, not, you know, starting and failing. I'm afraid of you know, all these are fears. They're very real fears. And frankly, they're things that could happen. You know, you could start a business and not make enough money to live on, right? That's, that's a real possibility. But when we talk about reframing your thoughts, like there's a 50% chance either way. So to go the other way, like why not think, okay, I could start this business and it could go really, really well. Like that's the exact same possibility as it going really bad. Well, and, and frankly, I think in most cases, the, the more likely possibility, you know, because when we exactly. take something like take the house burning down, for example, or uh, the other example that you mentioned, literally spending all our money and, and having nothing, the likelihood of that happening for most people that are listening to this podcast or watching this podcast is super, super low but again, we have enough. We're not in a situation. It's interesting. You talk about the, the running river from the bear, the tiger, and back to caveman days. In those situations, they were literally fighting for their life. And the reality is right. that fortunately, and we're super lucky, but fortunately, we're not having to do that. The majority of us are not having to do that. So the fact that we even have the time, the, the, the space to give this so-called possibility, which in most cases, again, is super, super tiny, Um, I think the fact that we get so fixated there is largely what leads to this anxiety. Now, to your earlier point, we're not, I'm not playing doctor. I know you're not playing doctor here. Um, and this is, none of this is meant to be medical advice, but I just wonder if we could potentially minimize the, the anxiety that many of us, myself included, by the way, have faced over time because we fixate on something that has a very, very small likelihood of, of ever even happening that instead, to your point, we reframe 
our belief system, um, and I think this is a great segue into the conversation (laughs) about limiting beliefs, that we reframe our belief system to enable us right? And, and this is actually for everybody who's watching the video. I'm, I'm going to try to hold this up. I don't know how well this will show up on video, but I've got a, 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 a tattoo on my left wrist, which is the Japanese word for belief, kakushin. Um, I actually have the, the, the word choice, sentaku, on my right wrist. And we, it's really cool that as human beings, we have the ability to choose our belief system. Now, a lot of times belief system, this phrase is used in kind of a religious context, right? Or maybe a political context. Literally everything that we do is rooted in a belief. I'm sitting in the chair that I'm currently sitting in right now as we're doing this podcast because I believe that it's going to hold me up. Fortunately, it was an accurate belief. (laughs) (laughs) So far. So So far. far. (laughs) Hopefully that doesn't change. But I, I give that example because it's even these minuscule things that we don't even consider that our, our behaviors are rooted in a belief. And so what would happen if we change the belief system that enabled us to get through the day, not just enabled us to get through the day, but change our belief system in such a way that it would literally, to your point, Katie, frame the possibility of growth in our business, for example. Right. Could we do that? And I think it's a really cool thing as human beings. I'm going to go to answer the question. We can do that. We have the ability to choose per the, uh, all of the, uh, the, the tattoo on my wrist to choose to our belief system, to choose a series of beliefs that literally drive us through our day. And the question is, are we choosing enabling beliefs, beliefs that are going to enable us to accomplish the things that we want to? Or are we choosing, and again, I know a lot of people say that life, or, or at least act as though, life is happening to them. The reality is they choose how to engage with every single experience that they have on a day-to-day basis. They have the ability to frame that thing however they want to. Are we choosing enabling beliefs in that situation or are we choosing limiting beliefs? Which leads me to my next question for you. Um, When we talk about this idea of limiting beliefs, I'm curious... I don't know. What, what, is, what is the significance from your perspective? I know I kind of just ranted and raved about my perspective on, on the significance of belief or the idea of belief. I, I'm curious before we talk about limiting beliefs that you've seen maybe have been popular in the photography industry, for example, or in the lives of creatives. What do you think about this notion of belief? What significance does it carry for you? Yeah. Well, and again, I, I love that you used the word empathetic earlier. I, you know, I am so um, sympathetic to, to people who, you know, might hear what we're talking about and say something like, you know, that sounds nice. You know, like, I wish I could just believe differently and like, it would fix everything. Right. And so if, if <laughs> I get to play the there, bad cop, you can play the good cop. <laughs> right. Well, if anybody's out there, you know, feeling that way, like I get it. I, I do, I do get it. And so just hang with us a little bit. Um, can, can I think, say something here though, Katie? Yeah. I, and, and I'm glad that we're actually, I mean, I, I, I laugh about the fact that we're playing good cop, bad cop, but, <laughs> but I, I do, this is one of the wonders of conversations like this, and especially with somebody of your training and experience. Um, I, I hear you. I, and, and I think it is super important. In fact, empathy is something that I'm continuing to, to work on in my life because I do tend to think a little bit more black and white, but I guess part of the reason that I, that I have a little bit more of a hardline stance on the importance of shifting our belief system, um, is because I personally existed in a super dark place, especially about eight years ago or so. Um, after my ex and I split, I for probably, I'd say about a year and a half or two years in particular, I was just in a super, super dark place psychologically, and, and I won't go into the details of it, but 
where I, I basically I pulled back from the world, right? And as a result, connections were lost. Um, my effectiveness as a business owner was lost. And really, my ability to be able to, to thrive as a human being was lost. And why was that the case? Because of my belief system at the time. And I can look back and I, I can see that. I've also been able to observe our photography industry now for about 20 years, and I see this happen over and over and over again, sometimes in small ways, sometimes in big ways. And in our, in our 2021 American culture, we've, we've really been working at developing empathy for each other, which is a huge, huge thing, right? We've gone from um, decades past where, again, things were kind of hardline, black and white, and lacked empathy. And we, we've come to this place in our culture where there's conversation which is rife with empathy, I think, at times, um, and certainly in a much better way than it was before. But my concern is that under the guise of empathy, that a lot of people's lives, I mean, I think back to 10 years ago when I was in that, in that spot, eight to 10 years ago, how much of my life I lost as a result of not having somebody come along and help me shift that belief system. And, yeah. and many times we need somebody to play hardball with us in order to snap out of it, right? We can, we can be inward focused, so inward focused that we lose sight of objective reality and as a result, miss out on opportunity in our lives personally and professionally. So I, 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 I think having this conversation is good because you're, you're playing a little bit softer <laughs> side. I'm playing a little bit harder side, but I wanted to give context to that and maybe kind of yeah. get your thoughts on that as well. Of course. Well, and thank you for sharing that. And I think that's one reason why stories are so important. You know, it's like if somebody has gone through it, then chances are, you know, you sharing your story is going to give courage and, you know, hope, frankly, to somebody else. And that's exactly what I was going to say. Like, if this sounds crazy to you, like, just stick with us, because there's actually so much science behind Hmm. the ways that these things can shift things in your brain, which is crazy, you know, even things like um, practicing gratitude, you know, writing out things you're grateful for each morning, affirmations, like, you know, starting the day by saying, like, I believe I'm capable of this, like, for somebody who's never tried it and never done it, like, it might sound like we're speaking crazy, you know, and that's all I was trying to say. Um, But really, like, it shifts things. And when you allow yourself, like you're talking about being in such a dark, dark place, and I'm sure a lot of people can relate to you. Sure. Yeah, Um, whether present or, you know, in the past, um, you know, when you're in a dark, dark place, it's hard to think optimistically. It's hard to see, you know, anything in the future past your present reality. Um, and that's why I'm such a big believer in kind of reshaping your thoughts and your ideas, you know, just like we were talking about, like, okay, yes, this is going wrong it doesn't mean it's going to go wrong forever, right? Like this bad thing could happen. It doesn't mean it will. This good thing could happen, you know? And I really do um, know that there is, you know, science to back that up. Um, and I would just encourage people, if, if you haven't given something like that a shot, you know, just try it, just test it out and see if, if anything shifts for you. Now, when you talk about giving it a shot, are you talking specifically about the notion of gratitude, for example, having a gratitude journal or more the, the conversation and internal conversation that happens when they face that type of anxiety or that type of fear? Well, both would be great. I mean, a, a gratitude practice totally changed my life about four years ago. Okay. Um, but 
I was thinking more specifically of, of like the idea of, of limiting beliefs. And if mm. you want, we can go ahead and get into kind of what I mean by that. Um, yeah. You had kind of asked me a minute ago, like, are there any that, you know, particularly apply to photographers or, you know, people in creative industries? Yeah. I kind of think it's a little bit hard because I think these are going to be personalized to, to different people. Um, I can say for sure, there's a lot of limiting beliefs surrounding money hmm, and, okay. and, and I'm these are tricky here. ones. I'm going to start yeah. writing things down. All right. <laughs> these are tricky ones because what I'm talking about are things we believe. And sometimes we may not even believe, or we may not even know that we're, that we believe these things. Mm-hmm. So for instance, you know, we might, we might tell you, like, if you asked us, we might say, yeah, of course I want to make a lot of money. You know, like, of course I want to make a lot of money. And in the same sentence, it might come back to, well, here's the thing though. If I make a lot of money, I might not have as much time with my family. Right. So there's all sorts of iterations of these things that could be floating in our head that we're actually believing. So when I'm talking about reframing a limiting belief, I would, I would, so this is what I do with my clients. I would, I would say like, write that out, like say, okay, so if I make a lot of money, I will not have ample time with, with friends and family. Like that's my limiting belief. Okay. And so then I would suggest like, let's, let's make a positive version of that. Right. And so I might say something like, um, it's possible to make a lot of money and have time with friends and family. Um, and so you see the difference there. So you're switching from that, the the belief, which is innately negative, um, or has negative consequences and you're shifting that to something positive. I can do both. And I'm going to venture a guess here, but, but by doing that, does that not then just naturally cause us to start thinking about ways to make that, that thing happen? I think it does. Yeah. Because again, you're going from thinking something's impossible, even if you, it's, it's tricky, right? Because these are a lot of times, these are subconscious thoughts that we don't realize we believe, you know, it's like, of course I want to make money. And then when you actually get down to it, it's like, but making money would mean this, you know, making money would take me away from family. Making money would be hard, like whatever, you know, whatever it is. So when you can really pinpoint that and say, okay, no, I don't think I actually do believe that. I do think it's possible to make money and have time with my friends and family. Um, is there something to be said though for like, let's take the thing about, uh, making money. My making money is going to take me away from my friends and family. That's a pretty simplistic statement. And if, if we don't actually, and doing the self-analysis, which is part of what enabled me to kind of get beyond that dark place that I was in, right? We can't, we can't make change in our life unless there's some amount of self-awareness that's developed. And what we're talking about here is developing a certain amount of self-awareness about our belief system. In this case, mm-hmm. money, if I say that making a lot of money is going to mean I can't spend time with friends and or family, would it not be good there to ask why I believe that and, and actually break that down? Because there's you know, again, along, in, in culture right now, we're, we are so fixated on this notion of, of acknowledging feelings, but the reality is feelings don't mean truth, right? Feelings are feelings, and we can acknowledge those and empathize with them all day. It's super important. I have to emphasize that because I don't want that to be lost in this. But at the same time, if we, if we treated everybody's feelings or we treated our own feelings as truth all the time, we'd be in a lot of trouble, right? I mean, the things Absolutely. that I've felt over my life, if I had given them significance, 
consistently, there's no telling where I'd be right now. So is, is there something to be said for taking the time to break down the logical, objective reality of that belief system before we go any further? Because if we do that, in this case, for example, you, you could probably find hundreds of business owners who have created insane amounts of wealth for themselves and freedom simultaneously because they worked intelligently. And here's the workflows that they, they implemented that enabled them to do that. Just as one example. Um, right. what, what do you think about when- that? Yeah. And, and that's kind of the beauty of like naming these things, right? Because again, a lot of times we don't, we don't know that we believe it, or maybe we don't know that it's, it's not a hundred percent truth, right? Like we, we have these thoughts in our mind and, and kind of to your point, they're there for a reason. They're, they're probably there something to do with the way we were raised or the, you know, the way people around us think. Um, and so, yeah, this is a very simplistic idea or like example, but it's, it's just there to, to make you think like, um, I'll give another example. So I had a, I had, this is straight from a client call I had yesterday. And, uh, this girl said to me and she, she knew exactly how she'd gotten there. Right. She, she was admitting that she had been hurt in a lot of past relationships. And she said to me, um, I am fine to be single for the rest of my life because I know that being single for the rest of my life will keep me from being hurt. Hmm. And she said something to that point. And okay. it, and I and I just had to stop her and I said, "Okay, wait a minute though. You're you're saying like what you're essentially saying is that um being number 1 being single the rest of your life is going to be easier." And more fulfilling than being in this relationship, mm-hmm. right? Or being in a relationship. A relationship, yeah. Yeah. You're also believing that, you know, being in a relationship means you're going to get hurt because that's her past experience. Exactly what you're saying. She had experienced that before. But I said, you know, what if we thought outside the box <clears throat> and we thought, okay, I can at least try to find a relationship that won't end in hurt, right? Like that is a possibility. And well, so you're in, really, in that case, you're talking yeah. about an assumption based on experience with, for the sake of an example, one person, right? There are 8 mm-hmm. billion people in the world. So that's where the, the separation of, of feelings from objective reality. I mean, Empathy is again, empathy is important, and, and in fact, especially in your role, listening to somebody, but any of us, really, in, in, in any kind of a decent personal relationship, if there's not some level of empathy, um, we, we'd be in massive trouble. At the same time, if there's a willingness to acknowledge the difference between our feelings and objective reality, that's what's going to enable us to, to shift the belief system. Unless there's that acknowledgement, the shift in belief system can't happen, right? Exactly. Right. And I mean, but, but we believe these things. So that's how we get from, you know, okay, like this one business transaction went bad. So I'm not good at this kind of business Mm. or I'm not capable of doing this. You Mm. know what I mean? Because we're, we're shaping our whole belief system on the interactions we've, we've had and we do that, you know? And so it really, I mean, that's why it's hard to imagine, like I could have a seven figure business and, and work 10 hours a week. We've never experienced that. Right. So it really is hard to believe. I think that that's possible, you know? And so these really are, that's just kind of how I look at limiting beliefs. It's like, 
Um, just because we've had this experience and we believe it to be true, you know, I talk to people like there are people that will swear to you they're terrible at X, Y, Z, right? Like I am incapable of this. Right. And it's like, honestly, like maybe, maybe you're actually possible at, at getting better, you know, and not every experience is going to go like that one did. Yeah. But I, I guess to your earlier point, it takes the effort to actually acknowledge the belief, to say it out loud, to state it out loud. And then the willingness to, um, I think a lot of times we kind of have to set ego aside too, because if we're going to acknowledge a belief system that has been debilitating, part of what is innate to, to that debilitating belief in many cases is a lack of willingness to take responsibility in one form or another. So if we're going to, to make a change, I mean, it takes, it requires making or taking responsibility, certainly, but an, an, a willingness to be open to the possibility of change and then actually digging into the objective reality of that belief, looking into it. If, if I say, I believe that making a lot of money is going to keep me from my time or keep me from my friends and my family, why do I believe that? Uh, because I heard X or because I saw such and such over here, or I did this thing over there. Or I had one experience in the past or my parents did this and this was my experience. Okay. Now that, that was your experience. Is that the case 80% of the time, for example, um, right. is, is that going, is, is that absolutely going to happen? Uh, no, it's not going to happen. Okay. Now, how could you make that happen? And that's where shifting to that positive mindset versus looking at the negative or kind of obsessing with the negative, I think makes a big difference too. We look for the possibilities rather than focus on the negative possibilities, I guess. Exactly. Yeah. And, and like I'm saying, like, I think even just identifying that you believe it is such a huge step hmm. because we trick ourselves, you know, we, we, we say things and it's like, of course this is true. And then to your point, it's like, oh, that was one experience. No, that's not like true across the board, you know? And so even a lot of times just realizing like, oh, I guess I did believe that because I saw this model, but that doesn't have to be my reality. Yeah. You know, that does help us shift into that realm of possibility. Right. And there are, I mean, if we're, if we're taking, I know this money was the first limiting belief that you said a lot of creatives face or that, you, that you've, you've heard creatives um, communicate to you that they're struggling with maybe. Uh, if we take money as just one example, there are certainly countless examples of people who have been able to have a rich personal life, despite the fact that they have successful businesses or along with their successful businesses. And, and so all we have to do is take the time to look for those people, understand their workflow, their approach to running their businesses that have enabled them to do that. And then we can begin to learn and implement some of those things in our lives. And again, it takes responsibility. It takes time and work. It's not that it's easy, but exactly. beginning with an acknowledgement of the limiting belief in that situation enables us to break it down, make change, look for possibility, look for opportunity, and then shift that belief to something that will enable us to have, in this case, both a life that's financially successful, but then also share and enjoy in those important relationships in our life. Money is the first limiting belief that you mentioned. What's another one? Let's see. One I get a lot is I'm afraid of looking stupid. Ah. I'm afraid of looking stupid if I try and fail. Interesting. Um, and the thing I like to point out there is, um, you know, okay, let's think about it this way. How many times have you looked at somebody who has tried something new 
and maybe it didn't work out. Right. But did you, did you fall for it? Right. Think of it this way. Like I I tend to admire people, even if they've tried and failed. Right. Mm. Because it's like, that's a reality. And if you talk to, I mean, think about all the people on shark tank, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> they had so many businesses that went wrong first, sure, right? It's just sure. a thing. Like it happens. And I think just that being so worried about that, being so worried about looking stupid or failing, it it just keeps us from trying, right? And so in reality, I would try to reframe that to something like, um, you know, it's 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 okay for me to try or, you know, no matter the outcome or I have freedom to try no matter the outcome because I might succeed, you know, something like that. Again, it's just opening to possibilities. And, but if, if we go back to kind of the way that we were approaching the conversation around money, we, we, we state the belief. So in this case, I believe that I'm going to look stupid. What if I fail or if I mess up in mm-hmm. the process, I would still ask a question there for me personally. And if I was having a conversation with friends that wanted some help, some encouragement, some advice, um, I would say, why, why will you look stupid? Or what does it mean to look stupid even? Because it's interesting when you, when you make a statement like that, there's, there are many elements to it, right? So exactly. there, there's the, the underlying feeling, which is driven by a belief or set of beliefs. But we also have to understand the language at hand. So why, what does it mean to look stupid to you? Um, and then why are you afraid of that to begin with? Exactly. Then, and why, why are you afraid of that? And what would happen if you did look stupid, uh, kind of playing, playing that scenario out. And it really doesn't take a whole lot of time to get to a place where we realize that something as insignificant as our ego being hurt for a few minutes, isn't going to in any way keep us from being able to actually build something or to do something as a business owner. We just have to be able to step beyond that. And, and this, this notion, this insecurity or a set of insecurities that we have that is, in this case, limiting us, um, mm-hmm. there are ways to step beyond that. But it, it starts with acknowledging the fact that it exists and then breaking it down at a logical level to understand what we can do to shift that belief system and step beyond it. Um, yeah, I, you're I, exactly right. Because I think nine times out of 10, when you actually realize these things, you're going to hear it the way like you probably just heard that. You know, it's like, wait, why would I keep that from why would I let that keep me from starting? Right. That's not a big enough reason, but it's like, until we actually identify that fear, name it out loud, dissect it, talk about it. You know, we, we do, we let things keep us from, from trying or starting. Like we just, cause we feel that fear and we're not, we're not naming it. You know, we're not saying, Oh, actually I'm just afraid somebody will think I look dumb, you know, or whatever it is. And then you're like, okay, that's fine. I can get past that. <laughs> I, well, I, yeah, I mean, hopefully, hopefully that's the case. I know a lot of people, even something as, as seemingly mundane as, as feeling dumb temporarily is still debilitating enough that they're going to hold back. And uh, I, I'm not a psychologist, so I can't, I can't speak to any real advice in this case. But I, I tend to play in, in that situation, I tend to play hardball. I know that, for example, going live today with this podcast, not having every single detail ironed out that there was a chance that something might go wrong. And, and it has a little bit here and there. But at the end of the day, we did the thing. And again, thanks to your graciousness and patience. And, and we're able to put some content out there that hopefully would be encouraging. And as a result, we'll also be able to take notes, make some changes and adjustments and do better the next time. And that's the really kind of the worst that, that could have happened, right? Um, if we're not willing to make mistakes, 
then I think there's a much deeper issue at hand, which again, may, may beg some time with a life coach such as yourself or a therapist um, to understand where those insecurities are coming from and address those at a root level, which will then enable us to shift the belief system and move on. Money, um, the concern that we're going to look bad if we take that chance, start the business, go do this, this creative venture. What's maybe one more limiting belief that, that you have heard most commonly as you have been doing this life coaching? Yeah, I think there's a lot of fear around, am I good enough? You know, like, hmm. I don't know if I'm good enough. I don't know if I'm capable. Um, Where does that come I, from? Because it, it seems like a, and I'm glad you bring this up because it really is a common theme. You see this quite a bit. In fact, you, t- you talked about earlier the affirmations and I can see the significance of them to a point, but I, when, I, when I'm looking through Instagram or I'm looking for, through Facebook and I see these these captions, these quotes that various people are posting, kind of reaffirming the fact that they're good enough, I wonder what's at the, the root of that that requires them to post that thing for them to feel good enough. Um, I mean, mm-hmm. naturally, when you post something in public like that, you're hopefully going to get, or I would assume these individuals are hoping they're going to get some encouragement from their friends and the liking and, hey, you got this, you can do this. But what's it? What's at the root of our culture's need to to uh, or 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 ultimately the feeling that we aren't good enough? <laughs> I feel like we could talk about this for days. Oh, I'm sure. I, it's definitely not a simple question, and it's funny yeah. because most of our podcast episodes are about an hour long. We've gone we've yeah. gone way beyond that already. No, but I love it. Give us our give us your summation, yeah. and 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 I'll add the caveat. I'm glad you point this out, Katie. I mean, this is. What we're delving into here is a pretty loaded discussion. And for those of you listening in, if, if you're looking um, for a much deeper discussion, certainly you can reach out to Katie. We'll make sure to put her information in the show notes. But I, I just this is a this is a big thing in our culture. I see yeah. it a lot. And again, there's there's the hardball side of me. Again, I'll play the bad cop that that says, I hear you, I feel you, I see you. I've experienced these things. It's not about being better than. But I also have experienced what it means to shift my belief system to step out beyond that. And yeah. what's on the other side of that is so, I mean, to use another kind of a cliche word these days, empowering. It's so empowering mm-hmm. to be able to shift, to, to realize that you can choose to shift your belief system and step beyond that thing that I'm not good enough. And I, I think, I don't know, for me, and again, I want to know what you think. For me, I, I don't generally think that I'm, quote, good enough. I know that if I put the time, the effort, and the energy into it, I can make it work. And that's mm-hmm. more of the, the kind of the mentality that I carry, I think, with a lot of things, certainly my business, the podcast, et cetera. But what's at the root of that, that conversation right now in our culture? Yeah, well, in, in listening to your story, I mean, I think there's definitely a lot of different personalities at play. And so I think there are a lot of people like you who are like, yeah, I'm not good enough. Like, who cares? I'm going to put in the time and effort. I'm going to get there. And I think there's a lot of people who are sort of living in this crippling fear of, you know, scrolling on Instagram, looking at people that have done it well and thinking like, I might not ever get there. Why would I start? You know, I mean, I I think that's a real thing. And I don't know if, you know, I I hate to blame Instagram for everything, (laughs) Um, but it's definitely a thing, right? It's like we see people's success stories. We hear about people's success stories. We don't necessarily... um, give a lot of time or hear, you know, all these messy steps along the way, you know, it's like everybody wants that success story. They want to see the before and after pictures in a weight loss journey. They want to see how far people have come. But when you're starting and all you can focus on is how far you have to go, like that can be crippling, you know, that can be so hard 
to, to let yourself think like I can get there, you know, that's, it's hard to believe. I would, I would agree. But I I think what I'm glad that you bring up Instagram because in my mind, what's (laughs) crippling at almost the the root level, the base level is the fact that they are sitting, they, the collective, they, again, I've been guilty of it as well. They are sitting scrolling on Instagram rather than doing the thing. Like we can sit all day and this is where that, that fixation comes in. We sit, we, we observe, we watch, um, we complain, we criticize, we <laughs> express fear, we, but we're sitting, right? Rather than yeah. actually doing the thing. And it, it does, it takes, it takes the willingness to, to take even that first tiny little step, but it's the doing and the willingness to learn through the, through the doing that can make such a big difference. If, if all we're ever going to do is sit and scroll social media, observe and say, I'm not good enough. Well, yeah. I mean, that, that's, that's where that conversation right. ends. You've got to do at some point. Yeah, you do have to start. Absolutely. And um, honestly, this is so funny. This is kind of why I started my podcast. It's called Doing Scary Things. And we have conversations with people who aren't necessarily like these huge, famous celebrities, you know, these household names. We have people that are are living this truth, right? That Mm. are like, yeah, I'm juggling all the things. I'm making it happen. Because just like with you sharing your story, I think it just... it it does empower you when you know, like, okay, somebody else started from where I'm at. That means I can start. Right. But it is, I I think the hardest step is the first one. And, and something you said earlier made me think of this as well. It's like even putting yourself out there, sharing on Instagram or whatever it is that feels so scary and crippling, it's going to feel easier with time. You know, the more you do it, like, yes, you're getting better, but it just, that, that fear and anxiety goes away as well. Like you really do get more comfortable in those situations. Um, but and it starts I, with I the doing, right? You, you have to yeah, do it. You do. Uh, and I don't think there's an easy answer. Like I don't, you know, I mean, we can, we can sit here and try to make people and encourage them and cheer them on. But at the end of the day, um, they're, they're going to have to do the work, you know, and, and that's the deal, even with, with life coaching in general, you know, like, look, I can, send you an email every single day and tell you what you need to be doing. But if you don't do it, I can't help you. You know, like you really are going to have to do the work. Yep. Well, the cool thing though, is once we do take that step, we have, speaking of Instagram, speaking of Facebook and YouTube and TikTok and Snap, I mean, we have all of these platforms and and of course the, the internet in general loaded, loaded with content, most of it free that we can leverage, that we can use to enable us, to help us once we take that first step. But I'm, I'm glad that you highlight this. And I think just for the sake of conversation and making sure we don't stretch this too long today, um, I, I feel like you summed it up really well, which is you've got to do the work. You have to do the thing. And, and it could just be a tiny step. It could just be posting the thing to Instagram. Uh, and, and it could be a much bigger step, like going and getting that business license or opening the bank account or going and shooting your first session, whatever it might be, you've got to take the first step and it's not going to be perfect and that's okay. But fortunately we have a wealth of resources at our fingertips that again are mostly free that will give us the information that we need to make that thing happen. If, uh, and, and I'm so glad that you highlighted this as well. If we actually state the thing out loud, if we know what it is that we're trying to accomplish, we state that thing out loud and then we just work backwards from that. We can take the time to break it down and figure out the steps necessary to get to that place. And that path, it may not be absolute. In fact, it likely won't be smooth. 
But the cool thing is it's still a pathway. We now have goals set that we can take that then enable us to take those small steps that will get us to that place. We have the information. Unfortunately, we have people like yourselves, our friends, our family who can support us and encourage us along the way as well. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's where, that's where the empathy comes back. Right. Because yeah, like everybody's scared at first, everybody, you know, makes imperfect steps, makes mistakes along the way. You have to keep going. You have to do that work. Um, another funny thing I would love to tell your, your, um, listeners or viewers, we didn't plan this, but I do have a guide on my website and it's called it, it's, it's called a do it now guide, but it really is around this process of exactly what you're saying. It's like breaking it down into teeny tiny steps because whatever you're trying to do, look, I've got people coming to me that are trying to publish books and launch podcasts and put on conferences. Those are huge tasks, right? You're not going to be able to do that in a day. But if we can break that down into bite-sized pieces and like Nathan's saying, like, you have to start, you have to do one step and then you do the next step and you're going to get there over time. Right. And, and there really is no easy button with any of this. Um, that's the bad news, <laughs> <laughs> but the good news is it's possible. Well, and, and you know, it's, it is, I guess, bad news again, depending on how we're framing the situation. Yeah. Um, something that I'm learning and, and, and please understand for everybody listening in, this is all of this is still a learning curve for me. Part of the reason I'm so passionate about it is because I saw the negative effects of a limiting belief system in my own personal life. I've seen it in those around me and that I've seen results from, again, personal results as well as those around me, whether in, in the general public or people closer to me. People that have changed their mindset, ultimately their belief system, which has enabled them to step beyond whatever that thing is that they were struggling with. And I just think that there are way too many of us in our culture right now, again, under the guise of, of, of empathy that are sitting in the same place and will continue to sit, sit in the same place because somebody's not willing to, to, along with an empathetic nature of kindness, of love, and I, I can't stress it enough how important that is, also say, hey, but unless you actually, to Katie's point, take that first step, unless you're willing to do the work, you're not going to see change. Take that first step. I've got your back. You can do this. And again, we, that is ironically and simultaneously one of the wonders of social media is that we have a lot of people that will support us and encourage us, but we've got to take that step at some point. And, and it may not be comfortable. And what I was getting to, Katie, is even as of late, in the last, uh, I would say even in the last month or two, I've been starting to embrace, even in a, in a seemingly insignificant place as the gym, the, the experience of struggle, of, of pain, of uncomfort, uh, pushing myself really hard in a workout. And I have seen tangibly, physically, the results of the willingness to embrace that in the moment. It doesn't feel good, but the reality is that most things in life that, are, that, that feel super good at the end of the day start with may include a bit of discomfort along the way. And, and our first world culture, it's kind of weird to think about that and uncomfortable to, to be open to. But if we're willing to step beyond that, what's on the other side of that discomfort? And most of that, if and I would say 99.9% of it is temporary, right? Most of that we're able to step beyond. And the other side of that, incredible reward if we're just willing to push through and even embrace that discomfort in the moment. Um, I was, as you were talking, Katie, uh, I was sharing on my screen and I'll, I'll jump back to this here. The, the site, uh, your, your website <laughs> yes. linked from your site. If, if everybody listening in, if you go to katiesnyder.com, 
Uh, and there are, there's a link called resources at the top of the page. You click do it now and it will take you to um, this little form here where you can fill out your name, email address, and download that free guide that she was talking about. And of course, we'll link to that page in the show notes at bocapodcast.com. Um, thanks again, Katie, for kind of being patient with me as I'm adapting, no. speaking of adapting, um, kind of going yeah. into the flow and with this new format. You've been super gracious, super kind, and generous with your time. And one more time, if you will, as we're closing here, will you share with our listeners where they can find and follow you online? Yeah. And thanks again for having me. And I, I, I appreciate you sharing so much of your story. I think others can borrow your courage for sure, but I am the Katie Snyder on Instagram and Facebook and katiesnyder.com. Awesome. All right, everybody. Thanks so much for listening in bocapodcast.com for the show notes. And, uh, you can also follow us there to, to keep up to date with the next live Boca podcast episode that we'll be pushing out Thanks, everybody. Have an absolutely wonderful day. Bye-bye.